Welcome to Asset Blocks Business Owner Edition because wealth creation is different for Australian business owners. Today, we are talking about why having a good business is always step one for wealth creation. But before we get started, let's cue the disclaimer. Charlie here from Asset Blocks, and I need to let you know that this is a disclaimer. Grant, myself, and the Asset Blocks team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personalized financial or investment advice. We're merely sharing our own experiences and opinions, but you should absolutely seek the help of professionals before acting on anything you hear in this podcast or on our brand. This episode is important because I liken it to building a house. The most important part is a solid foundation. If you build a house on sand, it's unstable. A small gust of wind will probably push it over. You probably can't build more than one story and you're probably worried about it every single day. However, if you actually build it on concrete, it can withstand hurricanes and storms, it can support multiple stories and you actually sleep peacefully at night. Wealth creation is the exact same. The foundation is step number one. You need to have that rock solid foundation and a business that is good is it. So, if you're an Australian business owner who's held off wealth creation due to stability of your business, or you're wanting to hear what a stable business looks like from Charlie and I, this episode is for you. Now, if you want access to anything that we talk about, any of our calculators, templates, checklists, head over to assetblocks.com.au, click free resources and select any items relevant to you. And if you did enjoy the show, click subscribe or even share it with someone else that you know that could get any benefit from this episode. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. All right, Charlie, why is a good business the step number one for wealth creation? Such a good question. And I think one that people don't take seriously enough. I actually want to share a couple of stories on this one because I think uh, stories are often a better way to articulate things and drive a point home rather than just getting technical. So the first one I want to talk about is actually like way back in the start of my journey. Um, and I want you to imagine this is 23-year-old Charlie and I'm 33 at the moment. So this is 10 years ago. Okay, so at this point in time, I was actually a qualified plumber. Now, to be clear, I had all these licenses. I'd done the schooling. Like, I was as plumber as you can be. I really was – that's the career path I thought I was going to be on at this point in my life. Now, I'm uh, in my car at this point. I'm finishing up for the workday, and I was a couple of years into my relationship with Bianca. Um, and I'm sitting there, and at the time, we were in this little two-bedroom unit we were living in. We, we um, had purchased that, so we had a little two-bedroom unit, and I had been looking at houses we could upgrade so we could start our family journey. Right, So that's kind of where I was at in life. That's what I was doing. Now, I'll get back to that day. So I, I get into my car, and I'm starting to work out the maths of how much a uh, home would cost. I'm starting to work that out. I'm going, all right, well, if I want to buy a house that could support a family, this is what it costs, and, and this is what the mortgage repayments would be. I'm going through this maths and then I'm comparing it to my, at this point, salary I was employed. And I'm going through it and at the time I was taking home about 1500 bucks a week, which good money. Like Good I think, money. Yeah. Like in Australia, if you're taking, that's net, right? Not gross, net. You're taking home about $1,500 a week. You're like, I think you're doing pretty well. And I'm doing the maths on this house against our current expenses. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I'm on $1,500 a week, but I spend $200 a week on fuel driving around for plumbing. So now there's only $1,300. My car maintenance and everything else that goes with, you know, car payment and all the rest of it at this time, well, there goes another 100 bucks a week. I'm looking at uh, the cost of the mortgage on the house I would like. And please realize I'm not talking about an extravagant home at this point, And it's 10 years ago. Right, and I'm taking that into consideration. Then goes that, and then I'm like, I like to eat, food's good. <laughs> so I take the food out, and then I'm like, well, insurance, right? I've got a physical job. What if something happens to me, and like I need medical, or I need like I don't want to be stuck in a situation where I'm on a long waiting list, or we need ambulance support or anything like that. And it got to this point where I'm doing all these maths, and then at the end of it, without any holidays. I realized I had like $200 a week left over, if that. And I'm going through this and I'm like, I'm just going to say, it. oh, fuck. Yep. And that was the moment for me when I my whole world changed because I realized the current career I'm in and the vehicle I'm in and the way I'm going about it isn't going to get me to where I want to be. So there's no room for investing in our future. There's no room for an international holiday you know, like this is something where I'm basically, if I keep doing what I'm doing, 
I'm going to be setting myself up to fail at the things that are important in my life. And that's actually when I decided, well, I have to really reconsider what I'm doing here. And I elected to go into a completely different career path. And all those people out there that say, oh, you know, learn to code, you don't understand. I was a high school dropout who was a plumber who now <laughs> runs a media company. Trust me, it can be done. If you're determined, if your why is big enough, you will find a way. But that whole experience made me very much reshape on what things really cost. And the, yep. the fallacy that I think a lot of people find themselves in is that they're in something that has this such a small end net result where even if all the wonders of compounding kick in, like you're actually not going to get to the destination and lifestyle um, you had intended. So a lot of people that, and again, I know we're talking to business owners here, but I'm not sure a lot of people who are employed or are in poor businesses really understand that or have done that maths properly. Because if you've ever done a personalized budget, it, it can rock you. And it did for me. And it was, right, got to change. And I'm thrilled I worked this out at like 23. Imagine finding that out at like 53. <laughs> and you're going, ah, oh, imagine never finding that out. Completely, right? Never finding it out. Um, so that, that's the first thing I say of like why I believe, and this is just an opinion that like having a business, this is where the opportunity is. And I know some people in careers can do astronomically well. They can. But yep. the options that business owners have in comparison just is so uniquely advantageous. It really is. For all the disadvantages, the pros are just outweigh that by a mile or we wouldn't be doing this again. But so that's the first thing I want to say. That was like my first aha moment on my business is step one. Yeah. But I want to go on to the second one in this because this is where I was like, I wasn't really clear on the definition of a good business and kind of got a bit excited too early and... <laughs> So I think I've always been very, you know, um, again, in the first story, you can see that uh, Bianca was the driver. So it wasn't like I was doing it, it was that I wanted to provide more for my family. And I think a lot of business owners can resonate with that message. Like I'm, I want to be the provider of my home. Like it's a goal for me to provide for my family. And I think a lot of the desire of people go into that share the same, but I'll share a second one here. So um, started a business, definitely a few years of uh, learning curve, we'll call it Grant. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, and then we, we, so I'm starting this business. I'm a few years in. It's like, oh, a bit hard. And then finally, I start making money in my first business. Now, I start making, and we'll talk a little bit more about the specifics of what that was uh, momentarily, but um, started making a bit of money. And then I was like, all right, I need to work out how to invest this money. Like, there's something I'm going to do with this money. And I get to this point where I'm like, all right, I'm going to start doing, um, it was shares was doing this options trading thing. And I'd had $100,000 to do this strategy set aside. Now, for me, at this point in my life, I was like, $100,000, like Warren Buffett, look out. <laughs> Here I'm coming I come. for you. <laughs> yeah, so I, I had built up this idea that that was enough and what my business was able to contribute to that at the time, which to be clear was maybe like a couple of thousand dollars a month, maybe. Yep. Like it might be 2,000 one month, 1,000 the next. And like I thought I was doing well to have my lifestyle and maybe contribute $1,000 a month to investing and like had built up this $100,000 over that time. However, when I started doing it, I was doing these trades and we were doing these things and it was like when you took into account the fees of doing the trading stuff I was, so you had to like, you know, pay to do the trade, which I think was $30 at the time to do a trade. Yep. Trading was quite expensive. Yep. And then you had to pay $30 to exit the trade. So if you had placed a trade on the money I was using, you know, they had suggested that if you have $100,000, you should never put more than 10% uh, into one trade. You want to diversify, which made sense. So I'm using these 10 grand parcels um, with the fees associated with that to do this strategy. And it ended up that like on my $10,000, like I might make $100 per uh, trade in the way I was doing it. And like, that's net. And I'm like, oh, so wait, 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 I'm risking $10,000 in a highly volatile risk uh, strategy to potentially make a hundred bucks. Yes. <laughs> and this, that's net, by the way, I'm, I'm like, you know, gross yeah. it up for gross volume and all the rest of it. But I was also taking into consideration that I was paying money to be a part of this group to get these tips and things like that to be able to do these trades. So I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm running the maths on this and I'm like, if you're doing this on a million dollars and you're doing a hundred thousand dollars per trade, like everything starts working in your favor, yep. like the efficiency of the fees, the cost of the program, all these things. But when you're this small player with minuscule funds and also a small amount of money to contribute into it, to keep growing it, like it's just not, wasn't going to get me there either. 
and I, I came to the conclusion, I'm like, you know, so I, I'm doing this trade. I'm like nervous about the trades and the share market at this point. It's new to me. And then it hits me again. It's like, Charlie, you could just go make another hundred bucks in business. Why would you risk the 10 grand here and the time and effort like to make a hundred bucks? Like at this point I was running a, a paid ads agency. I'm like, just go get another account. You'll literally make more than if you win every trade in here. This doesn't yep. make any sense. So this was another like breakthrough moment for me of going, step one, good business. The good business is the foundation two point. I love the analogy you used earlier, Grant. That good business is the critical thing. Your ability to make a good profit in business and uh, transition that into assets is the secret formula. Yeah. Like that's the win. That's how you do it. And it's uh, my story is actually quite a bit different than that. Uh, but uh, before I jump into that, I am curious. Uh, from your point of, okay, I'm going to start this journey to an epiphany moment when you were at a plumber, but then also when you were doing shared trading, like how long is that, the stupid tax on this? Was that a six-month journey and they're like, oh, after six months, yep, cool, no, I'm going to get out of this? Was that five years, 10 years? Because some people listening to this might actually be in that for 10, 20, 30 years, right? Like, and they're going, ah, oh, maybe this is their epiphany moment. How long were you in each one of those two? So, this is hilarious, right? This is like, I kid you not. This is, so, I dropped out of school when I was 16 and went straight into the trade. So, at 23, how long had I been a plumber? <laughs> Seven years. So, I was the only 23-year-old the uh, company I'd worked with had come across that was due for long service leave. <laughs> <laughs> Try that on. Wait a minute. It's like, this doesn't seem right. This is meant to be for like old people. And I'm like, it's news to me as much to you, um, which was hilarious that I actually had long service leave, right? It was, um, but the point to being- uh, I'm very grateful for the other things I learned there. Don't get me wrong. There's an immense amount of skills that come from like uh, time management, problem solving, work ethic, right? It's yeah. like there was a ton of things I developed from doing it that I'm grateful for. Not to mention, you know, doing an apprenticeship, there are life skills that come out of it. Um, so, a really good experience. I enjoyed that. But it was certainly the last few years when I was coming into the, well, how am I meant to set up my life? That was when it really hit me. So those uh, being able to buy a home, look after a family, that's when it started to become a little bit more stressful for me. So it was a seven-year journey with probably the last two years being the ones where it became more and more clear to me that, hang on, I can't just do more cashies to the side or work any harder here if I want to achieve these things. And spend time with the family. And what about the shares? Was that a six-month journey? Yeah, so um, that was probably, yeah, I would say about six months. I would say that the business started doing well and then the idea of doing these things. We looked at a few things, but that was the main one um, and, and going through that process. But I will say again, it's like I really took some skills out of that from the share market. Often when we try things, we learn. Well, that's the way that's always worked for me. So I'm not going to say it was a complete write-off. I'm grateful for that knowledge and understanding I got on the markets and how it all works. But as for it being like a cost-effective result, neither. Not, not so much. And my, because my story is quite a bit different, right? So I'm a, a a certified entrepreneur on paper. I have a certificate from the RMIT University in Melbourne. Says Bachelor of Business, Mastering in Entrepreneurship. Like fantastic. Out of this conversation, I'm the only entre real entrepreneur here. So I'll take my crown and I'll go home with it. But my, when I came out of uni, going great, I've now done three years of learning how to start a business. I'm like, I'm going to go in and do digital, right? So, I started doing web design. 12 months into that, I'm like, this is not paying the way that I expected it to pay, <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm missing something and my three years of education has not taught me something. What am I missing? And so, I actually left. So, I, I packed up and I, I closed my business down and I actually worked for a digital marketing company in Melbourne for just under 12 months and it was eye-opening because I, I came into this and when I applied and they saw that I had my own business prior and that I'd studied RMIT and entrepreneurship, the first question I got was, are you coming into this business to learn what you didn't know and then going to leave? No, I'm definitely not. <laughs> so, you used, you anyway. used to work there, Grant, do you not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to work there. And um, so, anyway, so I, I came into this business. I ended up doubling my salary within like nine months, right? But the epiphany for me was about halfway through. So, I was only there 12 months, so about six-month period. Uh, I realized that if you factored in all of the costs of the other people that supported me in my role, I was earning that business six times more than they were paying me. 
And that was more of a the the competitive side in me going, nah, this ain't right. The guys come at rocking up in this killer BMW, um, having the greatest dinners, having the greatest holidays. I'm like, yep, I think I've learned everything I need to. I got to get out. And it, the owner of the business was shocked. And there was about 60 people there when I gave him a six-month resignation letter. I walked in in January and said, in June, I'm out. I booked flights to Europe. I'm gone for three months. <laughs> He's like, I'm like, I'm not coming back. This is your notice. You have six months to find a replacement for me. And he's like, how are you so certain? I'm like, because I know this is not right. (laughs) And that was my point of, it was a competitive side of me. It was, I cannot sit and play this game to make someone else good leverage on me and everyone else around me where they're the ones that is going to earn a bit more. Jose, I got to ask this. I got to ask this. So, in that moment, was it purely that you felt you were worth more and you could see people benefiting off your labor so it's purely a this is bullshit i'm i'm moving on did it was i wasn't it was there any other drivers for yourself like girls money no it was so i i don't care about ferraris i don't care about big houses right like the the greatest thing is i've i've lived in warehouses at the top mezzanine levels of kids party venues before for six months like i don't care where i live i enjoy business as a sport Right, I wake up at 4 a.m. and I will just do business until the day cows come home, right? And so, when I was working for them, I was up at 4, I would smash the gym out, hit up heaps of creatine and caffeine. But then I was reading business books. I was trying to do like little business things and I'd be in the office at like 6 a.m., 7 a.m. And the, like the founders is like, oh, wow, this guy's a really hardworking person. I'm like, no, like I want more. Like you are now inhibiting my growth, right? Like if we were business, if we were business partners, You'd be happy, I'd be happy, and we'd be happy, but we're not. And so, it was me going, I need to spread my wings. I need to go and push myself to go and get the outcome I'm looking for. And I think I've found the missing pieces to the puzzle. How awesome. And so, yeah, so it was completely different basis of where you came from to where I came from. My mind was just more of an ego and a competitiveness piece of me going, nah, I'm going to go run business. But then the interesting thing is uh, when I left, I started running digital marketing, earning good money, and then I started reinvesting in other businesses. And so at a point in time, I probably had six or seven businesses on the go, whether I was a business partner, whether I was completely myself, et cetera. But the problem was, for, and I've mentioned this before, for my wealth creation was I kept investing into more businesses, into more businesses, into more businesses. Why? Because I didn't have a partner. I didn't have desires of buying a house and settling down. I was living in Asia. I was traveling to Europe. I was like, I was the world's, like the digital nomad that everyone always talks about. You really are shaping up the poster boy for the digital nomad, I will (laughs) say. (laughs) That was this guy. But I I think it's great because you and I are completely polar opposites in this, right? Because people listening to this are like, that was me or that I'm in that situation. And then I settled down, right? I got married. And it wasn't until this point where at the time the business I was in, it was pushing for an exit, right? So, I've gone through all these businesses. I had seven, ended up selling some, ended up consolidating and compressing it down going, I just need to focus all my time and effort into one. That's how I'm going to be highly successful. And I supercharged that and I just focused on that for a very long period of time. And the entire outcome of that business was a very big sale, right? And the idea, okay, it might take us five years, it might take us 10 years, it might take us 15 years. And it wasn't until the point that my wife and I sat down and she's like, I have been waiting for you to sell this business. I have been waiting for us to go buy a house, to go and look at investment properties, to go and play this family game. And when is that? And that was my big epiphany of going, maybe this is not a good business to support life, but also wealth creation, right? Because she needed to work and I needed to work to continue it on its journey, right? And that was my big aha moment of I am now inhibiting, like I'm holding back these great parts of my life of, of having a family, of having a house and all these things because the business is fun and it's good and one day it might have a great exit and do all those kind of things I'm looking for. But i got no nest egg. I've got no wealth that I'm building along the while whilst I can play this really long game, right? So, I've just all in on this really long game with nothing compounding behind me. It's so, uh, I find this so interesting, right? It's like the epiphany can come from completely different directions. Yep. It really can. But at some point, it's like the, the common thread here is that at some point, your business goals or whatever you're working on there doesn't support your personal 
uh, goals there. And like I imagine many business owners get frustrated and just downgrade their personal goals. They do. I know 60-year-olds who are still running their businesses now and they've had families of five, right, that have just held back. Like we're going to keep living in this house. You're going to go to this school because that's what I can afford because they could just not break through that mold. And it's sad to see. And I, I just look at that and I'm like, I'm like, that was the road I was going down unless it, it hit a great exit, which it still could and, and I hope so. But I'm like, now I'm just inhibiting because this wealth creation knob just wasn't ticked on this on position. And a couple of years ago when it was, it was just like, tink. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just playing this game wrong. That's fine. I get it now. So, what I am curious about, Charlie, is like, so going back, like we've obviously got very different stories in this, uh, but we can relate so closely to it, right? So, why is a good business always a step one for wealth creation? Yeah, that's a really good question as well. I love that question. I think what a lot of business owners don't necessarily realize is it's the ticket for admission to the real game. Mm. It really is. So, if you think about my story before with the share trading thing, like I would have been much easier if I had millions to trade. It was harder when I have a small amount or this and unable to contribute. This, the other components of that too is when you look at the vehicles that are out there, is there's a lot of competition for this bottom end stuff. There mm. really is. So, you end up getting worse deals as well. Um, if you want to go into things like property, which is something we both do a lot of, like property is expensive. Like if you want to be able to do projects and things like that, like I did a subdivision at one point where I needed to come up with $100,000 of cash to complete the project. I would never have been able to do those things that would give me a significant uplift if I didn't have the good business to support it. And again, like such a powerful thing if you can get this right, such a powerful thing. And, and you're right because you can't take advantage of those effective strategies unless you've got the foundations, right? And so, similarly for myself, like we bought an investment property just recently uh, and it's currently going through renovations. But the reason that we can renovate it is because we had a great buyer's agent who bought below market price to factor in the renovations and we negotiated out the renovations because we said these things are necessary. But then we've also got the cash reserves to go and do the renovations because in six months' time, we might refinance, Right? But because we've got the cash now, I can play those strategies. I can use those to my advantage where if someone else wasn't in the position to go and utilize them, they'd be waiting for the house to potentially increase in value and then they'll go, hey, let's do this small renovation, let's do this renovation whilst I'm already banking the money <laughs> for six, 12 months until they would have got to today or even longer in most people's situations. I want to throw a couple of more examples in that just before we move on from this point, because I don't want this to be just about property because it applies to more things, but um, being able to cover things if things go down as well, like yep. if your business can uh, float you through a duration while your investments have time to work, you can ride out storms in a much better way. Yep. Where if you're not, if you don't have a good business and you fall into strife, you often have to sell things to take you down as well, which it hurts to sell things when they're potentially not performing well as well. Like that's a huge mistake. But one of the ones is like often, uh, I won't say I cop flack because of my bias towards property, but someone will say to me, oh, crypto, right? You can buy crypto cheap. Like you don't need a, a superiorly great business to do that, right? You can go to the moon. I'll tell you right now, the people I know that do really well in crypto pay a fortune to be a part of masterminds, to go to conferences to uh, mingle with other people doing these things. And I look at it and go, if you take into the expenses of the access to the people in that network, regardless of how much you're spending on your investments in that space, if you are doing that, it's like suddenly this becomes an expensive sport. Very expensive. But it's also the, the one percenters. Completely. And these are the people, again, getting the astronomical gains. And I won't name names, although they probably will listen to this podcast at some point. But the people I, uh, a few of my uh, friends that have done astronomically well in crypto in the last few years, like they are paying big money to be in the rooms to hear what the smartest people have to say about this. And I mean big money. Yep. So I look at that and go, that's where this, if you've got a good business to support paying to be in those rooms, you're going to get a better return than the person who's out there just picking coins randomly on CoinSpot or whatever it is that they're using. And the same applies to shares, right? There's, <laughs> we'll say this before, it's like, if it's on the news like BBC <laughs> or it's in the newspaper and that's when you're getting in, you missed out. There was a whole group of people that knew what was going on before that and you want to be in that category. Yep. But that's not going to happen from following the tips uh, out of the newspapers and things like that. Um, it's, I think it's a very, very interesting uh, way of looking at things. So, this is the whole encompassment of like the ticket to the real game. 
That business that can produce a good amount of profit gets you better opportunities and access in all the asset classes we're discussing here. Yeah, I, I completely, completely agree. And to go back to your story, I, I know someone who's had to sell their assets to prop up their business and vice versa. They've had to extract out all the cash from their business to prop up assets that weren't doing too well uh, to the extent where they were buying blocks of land and selling them for 40% less than they bought them for just as a fire sale to help prop them up. And now, six months later, they're going and actually buying blocks of land which have doubled in price again because they're in better footing. And I'm just like, what? Like that? I'm like, it, it seems crazy, but this is the difference of having that foundation of a business, right? Because you don't need to rob from the rich to give to the poor. It's fundamentally a different game. And, yeah. and this is like, you know that saying, oh, it takes money to make money. And I'm like, oh, no, it doesn't. Rah, rah, rah. Kind of does. Oh, no, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely does take take money <laughs> so okay people listening to this they're like it, it, great like you and charlie have you've taken the red pill matrix all these kind of things we get it and we understand why like, great step one has to be a, a really good business and you can't really play a wealth game unless you've got a good business so imagine i had my scoreboard out and checklists and i'm like all right charlie Let's work through this. What are the characteristics of a good business? Just so I can see, is my business good or not? Because I might think it's great. Every every mother's baby is the cutest baby, right? But if you give me some really strict parameters, just as a good guiding principle based on what you've done, what are they? Like, what are some of them? Yeah, so um, we've got a little bit of a prepared list. People may see us looking to the side or down for this because I knew this would come up in this episode as, as did you, Grant. So we wanted to set some opinions, I will say, at this point here. But uh, after much debate between us, this is the list we're going to go through from here. And I'll, I'll take the first point. I think uh, step no, oh, sorry, point number one, not step, but like an indicator that you've got a good business is stability. So, and cons- I'll say consistency comes with that. So, if you've got a business that's profitable one month and not the next, or has a good year and then has a bad year, I'm going to say you don't have a good business. I'm going to say that that is something that you would want to fix or potentially redo in a way or restructure whatever it is before going down the wealth creation path. Yeah, and it, it's why I always lean so heavy on uh, recurring revenue businesses. Because Stability. That flu- yeah, that fluctuations just doesn't exist. Uh, the second one uh, for me on my list is ensuring that the owners have enough salary to live off comfortably. And when I say that, right, some people are listening to this who are in my situation. I'm a single, I was a single guy traveling the world, right? So my living expenses are very different to also the business owners who are living, listening to this, who have got a family of five, uh, people going through high school and all those kind of things, right? So when I say that they've got enough salary to live comfortably, factor in your own personal situation in that because ev- obviously everyone's going to be slightly different. But what we have evaluated is that having at least $5,000 per month or $15,000 per quarter to invest in wealth creation is a good indicator and that's stability like if you want a trend indicator if you could take out that five thousand dollars every single quarter over the last two quarters or over the last six months every month etc that is a really good indicator of a good stable business because you can you can pay for all of your expenses pay kids to go to school do all of those things and still have that amount left over and you still go on holidays if you want like that's excluding this five thousand dollars that has to sit somewhere to invest in assets. Yeah, I'm, I'm so much for that as well. And I will say it doesn't stop there. I want to put a point yeah. on top of that. That is the minimum. I personally put in a lot more than that every month to my investments, which enables me to do a much bigger, uh, more things. But that's to loop back to an earlier point, that ticket of emission. That's what yep. you need to get access to those rooms, pay those fees, do those deals, whatever comes in to the sport or game you want to play there. And I hugely, hugely concur with that one. All right, Graham, what's the next one on the list? All right, number three for me is the ability to leverage a team, right? So, essentially what you want to be able to do is you want to leverage a team within your business so that you as a business owner can focus in at least some part of your time on wealth creation. It is silly if you wake up from dusk to dawn worrying about your business, putting out fires in your business, doing all of these things and then trying to support friends or family or kids at night because you're never going to play the wealth game at all. So, having a business that allows you the leverage to step out for a couple of hours, whether it's a couple of hours a day, a couple of hours a week, whether it's a day a week, the, the structure doesn't matter. It's just using your business with that leverage of typically resources 
so that you can actually spend this time to educate yourself, like listening to a podcast like this or going to seminars or looking at assets that you could purchase for wealth creation, et cetera. That is one of the, the key foundations for a good business. But you also want to make sure your business is not constantly pulling you back in, right? So if I'm out, I don't know, looking at properties to purchase, I don't want my phone going off and interrupting me all the time because that's just going to take me away from what I'm trying to do here, which is build my wealth. Yeah, and that could be, uh, I know you've mentioned it as team, but really it's time leverage, right? Because it could be software that helps with this. It could be uh, contracting some of your work out. Like there's other ways to uh, do that in unique ways, but I completely agree. I think back to the start of my journey and I think for a year straight in, this is when I started the wealth creation stuff. How much time went into like how the books I had to read, the people I spoke to, the questions I asked, like it wouldn't have been possible if I'm pulling 100 hour weeks at work and I'm burnt out. You're just not going to ingest the information in the right way. And that's not even making an investment. That's just getting educated to play the game. Yeah, I completely agree. Charlie, point number four. Point number four here, I'll scroll down on the list. Uh, actually, I tell you what, I'll let you take the next point here as I adjust my screen as I seem to have scrolled past it, Grant. <laughs> no, no worries at all. Uh, point number four is the services or products uh, will be able to be maintained over the next three years. Right. So, as a business owner, we know and it's just statistics, most businesses will have a shelf life of 10 to 15 years. And if your business does, and it's a generational business, great. Like there will always be exceptions to the rule. I get that. But majority of what we do now, and you can even apply this to the job titles that people have, that what do they say? 80% of the job titles that exist today won't exist in 10 to 15 years. It's the same for businesses, right? Technology is improving at a rapid rate. Uh, The way that we do everything in this world changes so rapidly. In your business, you don't want to be at this pivotal point trying to do wealth creation. Like You don't want to be coming up on this point where, oh, no, technology is going to take over my business or this globalization, which is like massive right now where, oh, great, now all my competitors are going to offshore work and getting cheaper rates for people comparative to maybe paying in Australia. I'm going to have to fight that battle, which might take me a year, two years, six months, whatever it is. You don't want to be going through that whilst trying to create your wealth. You want to at least have some kind of runway of stability through that time length, if you will, in your business to say, you know what, I can support this wealth creation without needing to do a massive pivot or a reopening of another business or a new acquisition or something like that. Having that time run in your business so that you can focus deeper on wealth creation is really critical as a core foundation or core characteristic, sorry, of a good business. So let's just use an example there. We'll go, if you uh, own a Blockbuster store, probably not a good time. Correct. Your favorite analogy. <laughs> yeah, I'll use that. I just think it's so apparent, right? You know. Uh, and then the other one is like, you know, if you're in digital marketing or something digital right now, you can be pretty assured that that industry is going to exist over the next three years. Exactly. And that having making sure that you are aware of that and going, yep, I'm, I'm fairly stable. And it doesn't need to be a huge time run. We're not talking a decade or two decades. Like like for you and I, Charlie, when we spoke about it, it's like three years should be a pretty good approach because you can get good wealth investment, good wealth creation in, and then go, great, I'm going to fight this battle and I'm going to come back. Completely. My, my thesis behind that, just for uh, clarity's sake, is that if you, let's say you, in example, bought a home, it would have had three years on the board to self-fund itself and collect rent and grow where you wouldn't be as dependent on you if something went wrong would be self-sustaining at a more confident level than potentially it is when you first get it. So, I, I think that's a very valid point there. I'll grab the last one here, Grant. So, at least two years of positive financials, which we just recorded an episode with our uh, broker, Aaron, who was explaining how important this is for if you do want to use uh, debt instruments or tools. So, where did this one come from? Why is it two years? Why not two months? Yeah. So, uh, in the episode, what we covered off is uh, in, in previous episodes, we talk about debt and leverage, right? So, getting access to debt and borrowing allows us to acquire assets today. And I won't dive into the details, but it is great leverage because over a period of time, we earn, re- we earn interest and returns on that asset over a period of time, u- utilizing that debt that we have. So, if we do not have two years of financials, or if you really sort of box it down, which doesn't apply to too many people, it's like a good financial year of financials. But very few people start a business on <laughs> the 1st of July and close, like wrap it up yeah, on the 30th totally. of June. So, we say two years because like, I'm not going to talk about 18 months, etc. Because when you go to the bank to go and borrow, you have this foundational or good business as we're calling it now to say, 
yep, the business is stable, is earning money, I'm earning a salary from it, which means now it's, to your point, the ticket to play, now I have a ticket to get access to debt. Now I have the ability to go and grab these assets or unlock, if you will, these asset classes that wouldn't be available to me if I did not have at least that two years or one year of financials behind me. Yeah, this will throw out a few points here because, um, again, you might be saying, well, look, I'm not sure I want to do property investing, so debt isn't important to me. It's still likely you want to buy your own home. Correct. Um, I think that's a huge one. And then the second one is if you're going to be exploring other asset classes, there's some powerful strategies, which I'm sure we're going to cover later on, like debt recycling, in which you will actually be able to leverage the purchase of your own home into other things as well. But I won't go too deeply into that. But I wanted to throw in uh, an additional point here of going, if you get a business running well for two years, it should give you the confidence that you can do it for a third, a fourth, a fifth so you can be more certain in your own movements. I, I remember when I first started at Business Grad, I would literally like Google, how does a business owner spend their time? Because I was trying to like work out what I was actually supposed to be doing. <laughs> um, oh, sad but true. But then on the other side is like, you know, when you've had a business running well for two years, you know what to do. Yep. So it's like, you're not, you're not guessing. You should, be, it should deliver a little, a little bit more confidence in what we do. And it also has that trend right, that we're talking about where you you would obviously iron out all the fluctuations. Like we Come know a lot, of, a lot of businesses don't get many sales over December and January. But then e- e-commerce, like a lot of businesses do get all of their sales over just like November and December. So you can also see those trends and you can go, okay, great. Now I can factor this into my, my wealth creation strategy. So there was an interesting model that we were talking about, Charlie, which is like a, a, a really good seed concept for everyone, which is about turning active business income into assets and how the good business is like the foundation of this. Did you want to dive a little bit deeper into it? Yeah, completely. So um, actually, before I do, I just want to mention one thing is that I wish someone had given me the list of things that we just discussed as a target for when I was earlier in the journey. I think if I knew, look, this is what you're trying to achieve as a general guidance rather than just running around chasing more or doing better in whatever way would have been really helpful for me. So I hope people will look at that list and decide if they're on course or off course for what they actually want to achieve and realize, and I'll repeat this one, the $5,000 investable per month is the entry, not the max. You should definitely yeah. be striving for more than that. It is possible to do a lot more than that. Before you jump onto this point, I find it so powerful in the sense that I've read a lot of books around wealth creation and they say, this is what you need, bam, 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 but they don't justify it. It's not why. You need two years of financials. Okay, thanks, book. Why? (laughs) Why do I need it? And so, every time that we bring up topics like this, from our experience, and these are, again, what we've gone through in our opinions, there's validation and there's reason behind it. It's not, I'll just go to have two years of financials and you go, oh, okay. No, you need it for this reason. $5,000 the minimum and above it's great is because of these reasons. Right, like everything that we're talking about is justified by something that is going to be unlocked by you having it. It's not just a, oh, this is great, just in general. There's always a reason behind it. Well, it's what's worked for us. Yeah. I will say, like, we're not theorizing here. Like, we've shared the stories of like what didn't work or where we were challenged. Hoping where we've people- wasted money. <laughs> yeah, and time, right? And time, and time. And I look at that and go, well, what what's worked for us now? And then we've gone, okay, well, this is what has worked. So, I hope yeah. people can see that. These, uh, why they are opinions, I'm sure there's other ways to do things. It's certainly something where I, I look in our circumstances now and like, this is just how my brain works now. Uh, and to the point, the way I even think about business now is like the whole purpose of my business is to provide the capital requirements for my wealth creation. Like that's all it is. And I know that sounds like, a, you know, there's more to it. There's a fulfillment piece and I care a lot about my team and I want to grow the people within uh, our business and what we do. Like, it's really important to me, but it's like the outcomes I'm looking for, this is how I'm measuring it. Yeah. Like from a financial aspect, I should mention. So, um, taking it further, the model we come up with and really where the name of this whole brand and podcast has come from is that if you can achieve that as a good business and you're able to pull that amount out financially per month, that it is taking active business income into assets. Like that's the game we want to play and what I would encourage people to start thinking about. It's like how successfully can I extract the profits of my business and cash flow 
into building up a strong asset base or a block of assets, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, blocks of assets, asset blocks, um, in the thinking of there. And I'm sure we're going to discuss the full model of what we do today at some point, Grant, but I think that should be enough to excite people on where this whole concept come from. You can't dangle that carrot in front of my face without expecting me to say this. (laughs) So, if you were to think of a house, the foundation, right, is what we're talking about, which is the concrete, and it's the good business. First block is the first level of the house. It's a block of assets. Second level of the house, next block of assets. Third, hence why it's called asset blocks and why we refer to the good business as the foundation, right? <laughs> it is the foundation. So and you're, gonna, wait, you're way more generous than I. I was going to dangle that, make them no, listen, no, no, to, the next, make them listen to the next episode for it. <laughs> because they're like, what is in each one of these blocks, Charlie? How have you guys approached this? To which we did not answer. Um, but on the other side, like, I always look at, well, how can I live off my assets? not live off the business and that is a completely different view of god ah cool i'm gonna my business is gonna make some money and i'm gonna pay this and i'm gonna pay that and no 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 how do i not take any of that (laughs) and that just goes into assets and i just spend what what i get from assets and that's the like that's a game (laughs) that is the game so oh you want to buy more (laughs) get more assets it's a mindset shift is it like living off your assets instead of living off your business and by the way, there's so many gurus out there that's probably like disagreeing with us right now, but I'm just like, it's such a different game. Sorry. Wait, sorry. wait, wait, wait. We'll come back to that. I'm sure there's gurus that disagree with this. I'm sure there's other ways to do it. Completely acknowledge it. But this is what's worked for me. This is what is working it's for working you. For exactly. yeah, I, got, I got runs on the board to support this. I'm not guessing. I And I wholeheartedly agree, which is hence why we've got this. And it's just another point of view, another avenue that you can go down. So imagine I'm playing at home, Charlie. I'm like, I like your opinions. I like your stories. This makes sense. What if the business that I have can't be called a good business? Like, it's impossible. What if I'm staring down that barrel and it's just like, hmm, no, <laughs> this is just the, the wrong wrong horse, the wrong jockey, the entire wrong racetrack. <laughs> Everything for this is just wrong. This is your 23-year-old Charlie? <laughs> this is 23-year-old Charlie. Change. Absolutely change. I think there is a, the worst thing you can do is waste your time in something that will never get you to where you need to be. Like, again, it's like, I am grateful I know how to install a toilet. It is the most useless skill set to me today and probably wasn't worth learning. It served its purpose at that point. But um, I look at that now and going, if you're in the wrong business, you need to change. Like, time is not on your side with that. I will say that you have helped me out with some Renos and explaining to me what some flashings were and stuff like that. Like, it has come in handy. Joe, I, I, I should take that back. There's been some odd times in which my <laughs> trade experience has come in handy in what we do today. But at the same point, I hope that people understand the point reigns true is that if you're yeah. developing a skill set that doesn't serve and you're wasting your time, like, it's like tomorrow isn't a good idea to think about it. And the day after like you need to start actively making moves because otherwise you're preventing compound interest working for you in the right ways. Yeah. And it's, and it's similar for me, right? When I come back to the business where we were going for like that massive exit and I was like, now I'm sacrificing wealth creation, but also the potential for my family to grow. Um, and it, it's a hard pill to swallow. Like those conversations were difficult with my co-founders, right? Of going, hey, opportunity like, cost. The exactly. Opportunity cost. And it's, my, I, I could be here and I can sort of support everybody and, and be sort of the, the guy that they see me being, but I got a life to live. I got, I got these foundations that I need to build. And so it's tough, but making those decisions is the only way around it. So imagine I'm going to throw a second scenario at you. So the first one was, yeah, my business can't get there. So the first, like the answer is just change, right? Like, you, what is it? Try, you can't get blood out of a stone. Completely. Right? So the second one is like, imagine that I've listened to all of your characteristics and I meet all of them. Besides one, whether that one is I don't have 12 months of financials or maybe I don't have $5,000 a month or whatever it is, like, what what would you say to me? Like if you were in that – actually, not even what would you say to me. What would you do if you were in that situation? Would you just not invest in anything? Would you and just try and fix it? Would you start dabbling your toes in something? Like, How would you approach it? Yeah, so again, opinion piece here, but I would probably focus on the business. I really would. And the thing that has always served me the best is whenever there's a gap I'm looking to fill, any one of these, right, whether it's the profit per month, the leverage of time, whatever it is, is to make sure that I'm actively finding people who have achieved that, ideally in a very similar business model to mine, and just go, well, what are they doing that I'm not? 
how can I work through this? Much like your story of like going in and working at the SEO company was like, find that gap, discover that gap. And if you can uh, put your energy and effort there, that's going to be your springboard. If you, like I made the mistake of, start trying to dabble in other things and this investing thing without that foundation, like it just doesn't work out. I'm yet to see that work out. I mean, I'm sure there's probably some lucky examples out there, but just like I won't recommend buying lottery tickets as a wealth creation strategy, right? Works for a few, still not a good idea. I look at this one here and say that like my view and opinion is focus on the business. Get the business right and it is the springboard to being able to play the bigger game. Yeah, and and I completely completely agree right it's like you were talking about the cash is on the side the cash is on the side is not going to help you really create real wealth because if you got sick if you like weren't able to go out because it was too far out or otherwise it's just not going to get you there having a good foundational business is like step number one now there is probably a few people listening to this saying okay great so i think i've got foundations of good business characteristics aren't there how do i get a good business what should i focus on is it and i'm just going to say like this is not what this podcast is about. Like, yes, Charlie and I have done well in business. I'm sure we could probably help you in your situations. However, the greatest piece of advice we could give you is go and find someone who's done it and model it, right? Go and find someone. It's not us. Like, we are here to help us and talk about our journey of creating wealth, right? Just go and look for someone, whether they're in the same niche as you, whether they've done what you want to do and you just go and find them a modeler. That's why mentors and business coaches, et cetera, exist. Right. And there's some great mentors and uh, business coaches out there, phenomenal people. I think uh, the harder task is finding them and I think putting time there if your business is not performing as you would like is key. It's funny yeah. how many times I come across someone who's got a good business and you see the plethora of good advice from the right people behind the scenes, the network they develop, the business owners they hang around with. So it's a very, very powerful concept. I hope people will take that on board. And the very last audience question I'm going to take, because we've got an audience, not really, but I'm going to pretend we do just so you feel hey, happy. I would love it. it if we would get some questions, <laughs> by the way. So, send them in to Grand. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll field everyone's questions. So, I'm curious, Charlie. Did you always start out with a good business? Were you the lucky one? Were you? And I know you've, you shared your story around shares and stuff like that. Did you just fall into the perfect niche with the perfect audience and the perfect profitability and you've just gone, I am I am the unicorn, I am the lucky one? Or did you not? Did you go through a couple until you got to where you were? I've shared mine. Obviously, I didn't. <laughs> right? I went through like web design companies, digital marketing companies and the sort of different organizations that I'm like, I'm going to sell this. For me, the answer was no. I'm curious for you. Do you know, I, I uh, went on a podcast recently, Grant, as uh, to talk about some of the things I'd done in wealth and uh, I was surprised. I actually got quite a bit of blowback from me uh, doing that. So, there was a pe- people in a Facebook community who had basically indicated to me that I, what I have done is like I'm special, I've got unfair advantages, I'm lucky, like this doesn't apply to the average person. And I was, I don't want to say, I could understand their point of view, but at the same time, it's completely unfounded. So, like, I'm a, a high school dropout. I didn't inherit any money or get anything uh, given to me in that regards. Don't get me wrong. My family loved me a lot and they were a great family. They provided a, a very, very uh, house full of love. But as for financial or business acumen, definitely not. Uh, hard work and some good timing had served me very well. But ultimately, I've had roller coaster years early on, especially. First few years in business, I had uh, immense challenge, as many people do, just working out what to do, finding my niche and all the rest of it. So from what I have today is, you know, uh, the rewards I see today and the fr- fruits I reap are really the last 10 years. Like, and yeah. it's been 10 years now that I've been on that journey. Yeah. And for me, it's exactly the same. Like, I literally have ran businesses since I was like eight. Actually, no, my, my, one of my first businesses was when I was 16. Right. And like this game, just it's a never ending game. And the amount of businesses that I've had along the way to find a good business and a solid business, and I still have business investments, by the way. Like that is for me, is still a, a view that I have as a good asset. But no, like, <laughs> no, you don't just, it, this is not two people talking to you who just got lucky. And it's like, and the way you win lotteries is you pick these numbers and you're always going to win. Like, no, these people have made tough choices. I've, I've burnt friendships. I've had challenging times. Like, I've, this has not been smooth sailing for me. Right, which means that every single person can do it. You just need that willpower that sits on the other side. Yeah, I think the point we want to make here is it's possible, right? 
exactly. it's possible for everyone. Like, there's not, uh, hey, daddy gave me a million dollars to start off. It's like none of that has occurred here. So, it is possible for everyone is something I would really look at. Yeah. And I'm just going to wrap up this. Like, there were some key points for me through this episode that I really just want to hammer home. First one is a good business, that foundational $5,000 a month at minimum, right? Sure. If you can get 10, 20, 30 grand a month and invest that into wealth, great. Like, you are playing this game very well, my good sir. And Yeah, you get like, to go fast. You get to yeah, go really yeah. fast. <laughs> Your foot is on the accelerator from day dot. Great. Awesome. Fantastic. But the second one is understanding the foundation is the business, right? The good business is the step one foundation. If you do not have that and you're trying to play the wealth game, it and from my experience at least, it will become so much more difficult if not resistant, right? You, you want to work with a tailwind, not against a headwind, right? And so, if you don't have that good business pushing you forwards, you are just going to burn your candle at both ends. As it, it will most probably be quite difficult for you and that's at least what I have seen from time to time. And really coming back to this episode as just a, a bit of a sanity check. If you need that boost to go, oh, I always read books of these people that were just successful out of the gate. Listen to this episode again. Charlie and I, we've been through it. We've seen, had the wars. We've, we've had good decisions, bad decisions. We've gone up and down. Like We started our journey quite late in wealth creation as well, in my personal opinion. I wish I started earlier. Um, so, that were some of the key things that I've taken away from it. Is there anything else that you just want to hammer on, Charlie? Yeah, there's a reason I look 40 and I'm only 33 <laughs> years old, right? Done the hard years. <laughs> uh, no. no, I'm 20 years old and I just look like I'm in a 40-year-old body. No, no, no. But I just wanted to loop back in on one you made there because you made a really good point about the business being the good step one. But I think the other one is just the opposite end of the spectrum. It's not your business is suddenly perfect and then one day you come and do wealth creation. Yes. It's yeah. synchronicity, right? So, once you get to this stage, this is how you should be considering coming to play this game you think you know in your personal situation i'm not going to give you personal advice but hopefully you'll at least think or start having these discussions but it's not something you put off till you're in your 50s or something like that it's like that hand in hand these things work together and that's where i think the ultimate power comes from definitely and so if you listen to this and you say oh wow this this is super valuable to me and you wanted access to any of the templates and checklists etc that charlie and i always put up Head over to assetblocks.com.au, click free resources and download whatever you need that's going to help you in your journey or at least you will see any assistance through it. And if you did enjoy the show, be sure to hit subscribe or even share it with someone who you know that would get value out of the content that we've just shared or even the stories that we've shared because they might be able to relate to it. So, once again, thank you for joining us and we look forward to catching you on the next episode of Asset Blocks Business Owner Edition.